tell you, baseball is a broken sport. It seems like everything that surrounds baseball, the sport itself, the players, the people who comment on the sport, it seems like everything is just falling apart. So we talked about a while ago how the Major League Baseball was going to be banning foreign substances that, that players would use on, on the baseball, especially pitchers, uh, that would give them a better grip on the ball, that would make the fastball do like wiffle ball stuff, just weird stuff. Well, th- there's always been rules against this. And then for whatever reason, MLB, Rob Manford, decides in the middle of a season, in the middle of a season, he's going to change how every pitcher plays the game. In the middle of a season. not We're not going to worry about this in spring training. We're not going to send this memo out after the season's over, after the World Series has been won, before spring training starts. No, we're going to do it right in the middle of the season. And everyone's kind of weird. Everyone's kind of freaking out. Everyone's freaking out because every pitcher does this. They all use some kind of foreign substance that they're not supposed to use. Whether it's pine tar or the rosin and uh, sunscreen or if it's some kind of contact cement or other kind of stuff that that other people have just cooked up in a lab somewhere that gives the players uh, a better grip on the ball. So if they're all doing this and they all, they were all relying on this and we see these these pitchers having outstanding seasons. I mean, Jacob deGrom is about to break if he stays healthy and he continues on the track he's on. He's going to be the, he, he will have the lowest ERA of any pitcher for a season. That's amazing. Now I'm not saying that he is in any way uh, tied into this, but you can't just do that in the middle of a season. You can't you can't not enforce the rules for years, decades. And then all of a sudden, you know, when you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar, so to speak, then you come in and crack down on it. But it, it, and it just it, it reeks of just gross hypocrisy when you do this. Because uh, just a couple of years ago, last season, and then uh, because the Astros were involved in this in 2019 and 2018, was the fact that um, they did not get any punishment for stealing a World Series, potentially stealing a World Series from the Yankees, from the Dodgers, from other teams. Uh, when, um, when they stole the uh, MVP from Aaron Judge, who should have gotten the MVP that year. I, think, I believe they gave it to Altuve. I don't remember exactly who they gave it to. But they did all of this, and they stole it from other teams. The Astros were so blatant in the way that they were banging on trash cans. They had a separate camera set up on the outfield. Um, and they got no punishment. Yes, there was some punishment for the front office. They uh, charged the owner of the team something like $5 million, which to a guy that's worth several billion is really not that big of a deal. So they fired their GM. They fired their manager. Who, by the by the way, the manager uh, ended up getting a job at a different team. I believe he's for the, is with the Tigers now. The GM, I don't remember his name. I don't know what happened to him. I really don't care. But the players, they got they got nothing. Altuve, Bregman, they got nothing. There was no punishment for them, and they very well stole a World Series, stole an MVP from other teams and from other players. They got nothing for that. 
There's nothing worse, in my opinion, that you can do than to steal the World Series. And that's what they did. Now, if you're putting a little pine tar or a little something on the baseball to get better grip, not because you're going out to throw a perfect game and win a World Series, because you just want you don't want to hit the batter, you don't, you you just want to get more strikeouts. That's different. I'm not excusing it, but it's it's you can see that it's a little different, and that's what players are now going to do. That's how players are responding now to the commissioner of baseball. So the White Sox pitcher, he's a starting pitcher, uh, Carlos uh, Rodon, has been blowing up, has been blowing the hitters away all season. Unquestionably, has having one of the best years of his career, and he's going after Rob Manford because of the memo about the foreign substances. And he says, you know, I get that you. Basically, what he said was, I get that you want to crack down on this because we can't have this kind of thing, which is fine. But how can you do that? How can you how if if Rob Manfred can look himself in the mirror and say, "Hey, I'm doing the right thing." That's fine, Rodone said. But if you can't suspend the team that actually knew uh was cheating during a playoff game, that's on you. Rob Manfred is a complete joke. He is a he is a a shell of a human being. So they're going to hand out 10 game suspensions for cheating. But you give the Astros no suspensions at all. There's a problem in any organization, any business, whether it's sports related or in the business world. If the people in charge do not have the respect, do not have that they if the people who work for you do not feel that you have some kind of authority, that's a problem. You've got structural organizational problems here. When the players are calling you out on your BS because you don't have a spine, because you chose not to go after the team that stole a World Series, that cheated to win, but then you'll turn around in the middle of a season and change the game. You're a joke. You need to be fired. You need to be dragged out into the street and flogged because this is ridiculous. And this is why the sport is turning into the laughing stock. We, we, we've, we've had so many problems with uh, MLB changing the baseball. They've juiced it. Now they've deadened the ball. Now we're not going to allow pitchers to... We're going to change the entire way pitchers play now where you can't use a foreign substance. So now everyone has to readjust in the middle of a season. They have to readjust and now completely change the way they were playing the game. You couldn't you couldn't have waited until the season was over. Listen, you know you know this has been this has been happening for decades. You couldn't have sent a memo out before spring training saying, "Hey, here here's we're sending this out before pitchers and catchers report in February. Here are some changes we're going to be making, and here are the consequences for that. And here's here's the latitude that we have given umpires to enforce these rules." But they chose to go the other way around it. They chose to go in the middle of the season and retroactively try to change the game from within. There's going to be a lot, of, a lot of upset players, and this is not going to go well. This is going to have so many adverse effects for when the players and the owners go into meetings to discuss their new contracts, because that's coming up in the next year or two. 
And I, I don't see how Rob Manford is going to make it out alive. Now, I'm not saying he should be killed or anything, but I don't see how he's going to make it out with his job. Because this guy has been a complete joke from day one. And another problem is that you have, not only will pitchers be doing worse, so they're trying to, they're trying to bring back the offense by uh, going after the pitchers. Because with the uh, with the the advent of the foreign substances, uh, the players, I'm sorry, the pitchers are, are have more control, and so there's more strikeouts, and there's less walks, and there's less hits, and there's less home runs. So there's not as much action going on as far as um, offense. So you have a lot of pitchers who are gonna be a lot, who be very mad at that. So they're they're they will um, they're gonna hold the pitchers accountable for the sake of offense. Well, I, I there has to be something done because you've got a lot of people, a lot of famous former players saying that the game is unwatchable these days because the pace of play is so slow because it, it everything ends in a strikeout, a walk, or a home run. There's nothing in between. So baseball knows that they have to make a change. I think they're going about it the wrong way, but that something's got to happen. So what's going to happen is, is that pitchers are going to have worse starts. They're going to give up more hits. They're going to give up more home runs. And there's going to be some kind of adverse effect. Now, what's also going to happen, like what's happened with Tyler Glass now, who's a pitcher for the, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, is that you've taken away something that they have used for a while now, that gives them more control, where they where they can throw differently. They they it, it affects their mechanics, the way they deliver the ball, the way the way they release the ball, everything. Well, now that you have taken that away, they have to readjust on the fly. And what happens when you have to do that? You get hurt. So whether or not Tyler Glasnow actually uh, hurt himself because of the change with the substance or not, well, that's what he's claiming. So whether or not that actually happens. This is a story, and this is something that Manfred in baseball is going to have to reckon with. So Tyler Glass now blamed the the midseason emphasis on the grip enhancements, a potential season-ending elbow injury, while Los Angeles Dodgers starter Trevor Bauer criticizing MLB's rollout of the policy after it it knowingly swept this this under the rug for years. So there was a, a video. I can't really show the video because there's some language in it because Tyler Glass now is a little upset. But uh, he's blaming his potential uh, elbow injury on the fact that he's not allowed to use these foreign substances. And he admitted, to that he was using them. The pitcher I named earlier, Carlos Rodon, admitted to, he- to using them. Trevor Bauer has all but admitted to using them. So when you take that away, now they have to adjust everything that they've been doing. And now they have to throw the old school way, the way they probably threw back in high school and college. Well, if you're not used to doing that and you might make mistakes, you're going to hurt yourself. So how many players are now going to get hurt from not being able to use this foreign substance? This, If he has to go for a Tommy John surgery, that'll be his second Tommy John surgery for Tyler Glass now. And that's largely going to be the fault of Rob Manfred and MLB Baseball. So that's something, that's something that they're going to have to reckon with. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what what would have I done? Well, first of all, I would never have let, I would never have let it get this bad. Um, there's no reason, there's absolutely no reason why he should have ever gotten to this point where we have to make a change in the middle of the season. No reason for this. So I would have, before a season or right after a season, said, these are the changes we will be making for the next season. 
get on board or get out of the way. That's what I would have done. And, you know, the punishments, okay, fine. Yeah, I would have had punishments. Uh, they're probably a little, a little bit harsher than what uh, they have put forth here. But I also would have gone after the Astros. I don't care what Tony Clark and the Players Association would have said if I had started suspending for life Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve. I don't care. No, you cheat, you're out. And it's the same thing with steroids. Listen, I know, I know all, I know all, all the ins and outs with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and how they potentially save baseball. But to have the sport dragged in front of a, of a congressional hearing, that doesn't look good. It makes the sport look like, look like a joke. So, if I was commissioner, I wouldn't have allowed any of that to happen in the first place. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I hope that uh, I hope that the the players are able to adjust, and we can kind of hope they're able to adjust, and we can get back to a point where we don't have to worry about this kind of stuff. Because it seems like any time that they uh, that they you know they make a change or they something comes up, as soon as they put that fire out, another one starts up. So it's just a never-ending scandal after scandal with baseball. Speaking of embarrassing uh, things, um, Joe Biden snapped a reporter, which is um, which is interesting because for the guy that has almost all of the media in your on your side, for you to snap at a reporter, questioning confidence that you that Biden or that Putin will change his behavior is a little bit interesting. So on Wednesday, um, Vladimir Putin, and so today, Putin and uh, Biden met. They had their, their big powwow in in, uh, in uh, Switzerland or Geneva or Brussels, where, in Europe, wherever. I forget where it's at. But they had a big, long three-hour discussion about how they're going to go forward with the two nations trying to recognize, trying to, uh, you know, it work out their differences, and you got Biden claiming that Russia is behind all of this, uh, the election meddling and throwing the election for Trump and all these cybersecurity things and all this, and the cyber attacks, how he's blaming him for all this, and they, they, they met to see how they can uh, you know work things out, hopefully for the better. Well, after their meeting... Uh, President Biden snapped at a, at a CNN reporter who pressed him on what changes, on what makes him confident uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin will change his behavior following the high-stakes summit between the two leaders. Um, so she says, why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? And Biden turns around and snaps. He says, I'm not confident. What the hell? <laughs> the hell do you do all the time like this guy i don't understand it he does i don't understand why he does this did you not think that these reporters were going to ask you some a hard question every now and then because they have to make it look as if they're doing their job so Biden walked back towards the press pool raising his finger in the air asking collins what did i say i was confident when did i say i was confident what did i what i said was what will change their behavior as if is if the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. Biden added, he's not confident of anything. I'm just stating a fact. So I think everyone should go watch the video because it's kind of hilarious on how he attacks these reporters. 
And, you know, for years, Trump got railed because the way he would, uh, in, you know, way he would uh, interact with, with reporters because he came off as a kind of a brash, you know, um, don't take any prisoners kind of kind of in a, in a kind of way, which uh, I liked because the the press is the enemy. The, the media, sorry, is the enemy of the people. But again, it's interesting to see someone who has the media on your side and you still uh, react that way. Now, is this because Biden is a little crazy to begin with? Sure. That could be very well possible on why this happened. But I also think there's another reason why. And I think that reason why is because Putin, Vladimir Putin, who I am I, I am no fan of. I, I, this is not an endorsement of Vladimir Putin. But he is so much better at the the statecraft of uh, manipulation and um, turning the narrative in your favor because Putin suggests that Ashley Babbitt, the lady that was shot and killed at the Capitol riot on January 6th, uh, Putin suggests that she was a victim of assassination by Capitol Police, which is a... That's quite a statement. <laughs> It's quite a statement to make, um, because in that on Monday, Jacob and I talked about that big uh, interview that he did with uh, NBC, and when Putin was asked about Alexei Navalny and a lot of uh, Russian um, opposition leaders, people who are quote pro democracy, whatever that means, um, they some of them, a lot of them wind up dead, suicides with two gunshots, you know, things like that. A lot of them just get shot in the middle, uh, in, in the middle of the street, um, which is weird. And there's a, so there's a lot of deaths that are tied with Putin and opposition leaders. And he was asked about that, and he was like, "Well, how do you how how do you reckon with this? How do you deal with this and other human rights abuses?" And then he countered with, "Well, the people who were going up to the Capitol." Um, uh, who that's not not the insurrectionists, but the people who stormed the Capitol. He, he basically said, "Do you know that 450 individuals were arrested after entering the Congress? They came with political demands." So, what he's saying is, is that you know, okay, you want to accuse me in my country of human rights abuses and people being shot and killed who are political, uh, who have who are opposite of me politically. Well, let's. Well, can we point to what you're doing in in America? How the people who uh, went up to the Capitol on January 6 are being treated? Now, I'm hearing a lot of things um, that some of these people who were uh, arrested uh, for the so-called insurrection on January 6 is that a lot of them are getting 20 years in prison, which is completely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, I don't think the people who um, I don't really necessarily think that people that were uh, rioting over the summer should have, should have gotten 20-something years in prison. I think that's a little ridiculous. But to but it's it's kind of it's very savvy of him to deflect with that because we see that some lawyers are not uh, willing to represent some of the people on January 6th. There's uh, claims of torture that these people are going through. We see how the NSA... And James Clapper and Biden and other people want to use the the Patriot Act, other things like that, against Trump supporters, against people who were supportive of what happened 
on January 6th, how they're turning the deep state in on itself in a, against the American people. And here you have Putin saying, uh, well, you know, in his answer to these to these questions is that, um, you know, did you order the assassination of the woman who walked into the Congress and who was shot and killed by a policeman? So he's asking whether or not she, she had a hit placed on her. Now, I, do I necessarily agree with this assessment? No, I don't think so. Um, but, you know, if, if, if America is going to call out human rights abuses in other countries, Putin's basically saying, well, okay, look at yourself in the mirror first. You know, you don't do everything right either. So before you come to me and tell me to clean up my act, maybe you should clean up your act as well. And then Biden, of course, criticized. Biden criticized this. Uh, he said it was a ridiculous comparison uh, between Capitol writers and critics. Um, he was asked about Putin linking the jailing and killing of uh, critics to avoid disorder such as racial justice. Uh, protesters and equating it to the arrests uh, of rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol during the deadly January 6th attack. Biden responds with, uh, my response is kind of what I communicate. I think that's a ridiculous comparison. It's one thing for, for likely criminals to break through and go into the Capitol and kill a police officer and hold them accountable. Then it is for people objecting or marching on the Capitol to say you are not allowing me to speak freely. You are not allowing me to do A, B, C, or D, Biden added. Which, in, to some degree, I can understand what, what Putin's doing, although I think it's crazy and it's ridiculous. But his rationale for uh, going after protesters and things like that is because he's trying to avoid the disaster that happened. Um, well, not really disaster, but what happened on January 6th. He's trying to avoid that from happening, which any autocratic dictator leader who's in charge, who has who has complete control of the country, of course he's going to try to stop something like that because that's a chink in the armor and you can't have that. So it's kind of interesting for him to say that and then accuse, you know, and say, well, you know, this is what you get with this kind of freedom in America. So, I mean, I guess that is kind of interesting. But, of course, Biden, it's a ridiculous comparison. Is it, though? Is it that? Is it that ridiculous? To me, it, it, it makes. I disagree with it, but I, I do think it does make some sense to some degree. But I don't know. But I, I think that this just shows yet again that Biden is, or I'm sorry, that Putin is more savvy than Biden is, and I don't think there's any coincidence to the fact that um, that there was no joint press conference between the two, because it's clear that Biden can't stand up to Putin in that kind of setting. You know, he goes, when Biden goes for a press conference, he has a list of people, uh, a list of reporters who to ask questions from, and the questions have been pre-approved in advance. And he's not allowed to deviate from that list. So what's he going to do when he has to respond to a question, respond to an answer by Putin? It's not going to be good, and I think they know that. And I think they know, like, like there was a video of Biden's uh, cue cards, and it was, you know, like Trump did this, so, you know, which caused X, Y, and Z. Trump did this, which caused this, and Trump did this, which caused this. And it's like, wow, 
wow, this guy can't think for himself. He can't think on his feet. And when he does, in response to a question from a CNN reporter, he snaps. He snaps. And it's just, it's kind of, it's embarrassing. And there was also that video from the G7 where uh, Biden was walking around and he looked completely lost, like, where am I? And then, of course, the savior, Dr. Jill Biden, comes in to save him. But, you know, and, of course, uh, Biden had called up Putin before this whole meeting and and said in response to the, you know, quote, uh, cyber attacks from Russia in the malware attacks and the ransomware attacks, we are going to be installing some new sanctions and we're going to recall all the U.S. diplomats from Russia, which is a bad move because to just, on a whim, it seems, to blame uh, Russia for all the cyber attacks, for everything that's going wrong with American industries getting attacked, I think is very dangerous because you don't know for sure. There's no way you can know for 100% certainty that this is all because of uh, of from it's all coming from Russia. There's no way you can do that. And of course, I'm re- I've got some articles here from the Hill. Uh, there's one from the AP that says um, that they were talking about um, the uh, the the uh, cyber attacks and things like that. And it, they they say it, it co- it's coming from Russia. Which again, there's there's no way to know that because I don't know if these people have heard of this thing called a VPN, which you can effectively uh, say that you're in one place but you're really in another place. And I would think that people who are engaging in this kind of uh, cyber uh, these cyber attacks are very well aware of how VPNs work. And I don't I don't I also don't think it's another coincidence that. The NSA's toolkit for cyber uh, attacks and things like this that they work on, uh, all that, that information was just leaked. It got out somehow. We don't. Nobody knows how it got out, but it got out. And then there, shortly after that information getting out, we had the Colonial Pipeline attack. There was the the attack on the meat processing plants. There was that fire at that chemical plant in Illinois, I believe. So I don't. I don't think this is any coincidence. So if people can can hide, can, uh, can can conceal their identity and where they're from, and they can make it look like they're in one place, but they're really not, then you don't know where it's coming from. And to just blame Russia for everything is dangerous. It's very dangerous, because I would much rather have, whether it be President Trump or President Biden, if they had to make a monthly trip to Russia and break bread with these people, and if they had to do all those things to prevent cyber attacks, war, nuclear war, I'd be okay with that. If that, if if Biden or Trump had to go to China and North Korea and break bread on a weekly basis, but it prevented war, slavery, it prevented the human rights abuses, I'd be okay with that. I'd be very okay with that. But it seems like in in modern times that we have to have this this posture of well we're in charge, we are here to rid the world of we're here to rid the world of tyranny and replace with democracy. That's not our place. That's no one's place to do that. America has no right. No country has any right to go into a different country and tell them how to conduct their business. No one has any right to do that. So, I you know in. 
I, Biden goes on when talking about the cybersecurity stuff. He said, I, I pointed out to him, we have significant cyber, cyber capability, Biden said. In fact, if they violate basic norms, we will respond. And I think the last thing he wants now is a Cold War. Why are you doing this? Now, I get, if you have real evidence to suggest that these attacks are coming from Russia, fine. That's that's fine. Okay, hold them accountable. And I, I don't I don't know exactly how you're going to do that, but you can you know say that they're that they're doing these things and show the evidence. But if you don't know for certain that they're doing these things, and just say, well, well, we got a pretty big arsenal of cybersecurity ourselves. We we can respond in kind and cause significant damage. You're, that's a threat. That is a threat. So. Um, and again, I, I just I don't necessarily believe that Russia is behind all of these things. I just don't I just don't believe that because there are other countries that are involved here too. There's there's China, there's possibly Iran, there's maybe Cuba, places in Africa. I know that the Israelis have been uh, accused, credibly accused, of stealing our information and stealing it and sending it to China and other countries. So. So it's not uncommon for allies to attack allies uh, through the cyber warfare um, and then sell that information to other countries. So, I mean, I, I just when it comes to cybersecurity and cyber, uh, the stuff that goes on the site in the cyber sphere, I just don't know what to do. It's kind of like with the big tech censorship. I'm not necessarily uh, in favor of basically regulating these companies like utilities. Um, but th at the same time, you can't let this go on. So, you know, you can, uh, again, you can uh, attack or accuse these people of doing these things. But if you retaliate and then they retaliate, re re retaliate, what, what have you done? You've started a war now. And this is where something, this is where, where legitimately a whole country can be shut down at the press of a button. So it's a very dangerous game to be playing. And I would just rather them not play it at all. I think that was the, the, the lesson of war games is that thermonuclear war uh, is a game best not played. I think that's what Joshua told us. I'm pretty sure. So, but, you know, what do I know? I'm just some schmuck who speaks into a microphone as a hobby. So, what do I know? Anyway, uh, that's going to be it for today, folks. We'll be I'll be back again on Wednesday for another episode of The Joe Show. I'm going to try to find things that are not necessarily political, but they might have a political uh, history to them, but they might be more history-related. Um, I, I want to see if I can get a particular guest on to kind of talk to us about some things about the uh, about the South and the Southern tradition, because that's something that I've been looking into here recently, and I find it ex very fascinating, the Old South, and I've been researching some things about the Civil War, so I want to see if I can make that happen. We'll see. But uh, we'll, we'll be back again on Friday with a new episode of the Standing Brothers Show. So until then, folks, thanks for listening. Peace.